Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. Morning. We are so happy that you have decided to join us. Hopefully, you will find the next few minutes challenging and refreshing as we consider together how God is asking us to respond to His grace. The movie Pursuit of Happiness. If you are listening because you are unable to join us at our physical location, thank you for keeping in step with us, and we will look forward to seeing you in person next Sunday. If you are joining us from outside of Anchorage, then please drop us a line and let us know where you are listening in. We would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you are exploring faith for the first time or just trying to figure out what awakening is about, please don't hesitate to drop us a line and introduce yourself. We welcome any questions you have, but he has a lot of things stacked against him. May God be with you as you are. Uh, but there is this scene in this movie. Will Smith is a dad, and he has a son that's maybe seven or eight years old, something like that. There is this scene in the movie where they are up on the top of some high rise. I think they're maybe in New York City, and they're playing basketball. There's this big, you know, fenced-in area, and they're playing basketball, or at least the son is playing basketball, and he's, you know, he's making his layup. He's making a basket or two, and he's saying, "Dad, I'm going to go pro." as he's making these hoops. Dad, I'm gonna go pro. And you're thinking, oh, that's, you know, it's a cute scene. Um, But then Will Smith says something that's really disturbing. He says, hey son, I just want you to know, um, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't put a lot of hope in going pro because, you know, I was not very good at basketball and you're probably not gonna be very good at basketball either. And then Will Smith throws up this horrible shot, misses by quite a ways, and has really horrible form. Uh, But anyways, that's my side basketball note. Sorry for that. Uh, But as he's shooting, and as the words sink into his son, his son just gives up. And he gets the ball and just lets it roll away. And... He's pretty much done for the day. And Will Smith, the dad here, sees what has happened. He starts to understand that his words have destroyed the dream of his child. And he realizes that it's because of his own discouragement in life, because his dream seems to be being destroyed. It's because of his own discouragement in life that he has said this very damaging thing to his son. And so he recovers. He turns it around and he says, son, listen to me. Don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. And he starts building his son back up and reminding him that there is hope in chasing dreams. And he starts breathing life and love back into his son. One of the things you know as you're watching that movie is that not just the words from the father to the son have a dramatic impact on the son, but the father showing love to his son will translate into his son doing well or not doing well. And isn't that interesting that the love of the father could affect the performance of the son. Because Will Will Smith as the dad is not saying, oh, let me correct things. I can actually show you how to become a great basketball player. 
No, he says, he, he, he corrects things by returning to this place of love. And it's interesting that even Hollywood can identify that there is this relationship between the love of the Father and how we perform in life. So, I'm going to read a passage from Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14, and this is the Apostle Paul telling the church at Ephesus how he has been praying for them. And there is this very interesting part where this connection is made uh, between the love of the Father and their success in their spiritual life. It starts with, when I think of all this, and Paul has just displayed or described the the gospel of, of Christ, the story of Jesus. And so he says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, right? We've been talking about that for the last several weeks. God is on our side. His desire is to be with us, to be in us, to help us, to empower us, okay? Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. There's that connection. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. I know that sounds like the benediction, but don't stand up and leave right now. There's a little bit more. So, key verses, right? May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So there's this connection, right? If we can get a grip on the level of love that God has for us, that translates into the way that we live out the Christian life. That translates into the power of God in our lives. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there is an enemy who is against us, and the enemy is always trying to destroy our understanding of God's love for us. This began in the Garden of Eden, where Satan enters into a conversation with Eve and he begins putting doubts in Eve's mind about God's love for her and for Adam and for humanity. And Satan presents God as this maniacal, egotistical being who does not want human beings to be his equal. And so he has made them subservient in these ways that they do not need to be subservient. And he tries to get Eve and successfully does get Eve and Adam to go out on their own to ignore the love of the Father or to misinterpret the love of the Father and to go out on their own. And the enemy has won, at least for a while, until, well, until Jesus 
comes along until Jesus sets things straight. So Paul is saying, if we can figure out the love of God for us, if we can grasp just a little bit of how wide, how deep, how long his love is, how endless his love for us is, then we will begin living powerful Christian lives. We will begin experiencing the power of God in our lives. If we can just grasp his love, if we can just continue returning to his love. Um, One of the ways that we remind ourselves of God's love each year is the Christmas season. How do you feel about starting Christmas a little early this year? Anybody okay with that? Okay, all right. A lot of positive comments. So uh, around our house, we have uh, one child who sings Christmas songs year-round. And, uh, you know, I chuckle a little bit at that, but uh, because he's, he's out, well, I just told you at least a little bit of who it might be, but he is out of season, right? And so I chuckle a little bit at this, uh, but I am reminded, oh, yeah, Christmas isn't just something we celebrate at Christmas. As Christians, we're all about Christmas all the time. This incarnation thing is a big deal, and it is an incredible reminder of God's endless love for us, of his astonishing grace that he would extend to us. When I bring up Christmas, and if I were to tell you that I'm going to tell you the story of Jesus... I'm guessing you might think I would start at Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And maybe you've heard these words before. They say, in those days, can you start to complete the verse? In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And oftentimes, that's where we think the story of Jesus begins, right? That's his birth story. But that's not actually where the story of Jesus begins. So before we get to Christmas, and before we go on to the sequel, we're going to go back to the the prequel. You guys know what that is? It's like the story leading up to the story. And that is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Peter writes, "For for you know God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from our ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but he has now revealed him to you in these last days. I don't know if you caught that phrase or not. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. So, we are living in God's plan A. This might be news to you. Maybe you think that God was surprised in the Garden of Eden when man rebelled against him and went off and did their own thing. Um, God was not surprised by that. God knew exactly how that was going to go down, exactly what was going to happen. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, okay, I'm pretty happy that this is God's plan, eh? I mean, things are going pretty well for me. Really, I'm healthy. Um, My family loves me. 
I love them most of the time, unless they're annoying me. Uh, you know, I've got a job, so I've got some income. I actually, I have a little extra money. I have most of the things I want. And, you know, I think things are going pretty well for me. So if this is God's plan A, yes, I'm on board. But then maybe you watch the news for about three seconds. Or you start talking to one of your friends who's going through some difficult things. Maybe you start thinking, you know, thinking about the, all, all of the craziness that you hear about happening in this world. Maybe you yourself have had some very difficult things happen in your life. And so when you hear that this is God's plan A, you really hate that idea. How could it possibly be that God would allow you know, war, famine, oppression, molestation, betrayal, all, you know, just all the things. How could it possibly be that this is God's plan A? Well, somehow, we don't understand this. This is one of the reasons we call God, God. But somehow, in his all-knowing nature, God looked at all that was going to happen, every decision that was going to be made, every word that was going to be said. He looked at all of that and said, yes, this is the plan, right? God not only looked at everything in our life, the way it's playing out, but he looked at every possible scenario or every possible ending in every possible scenario. That's like, you know, that's beyond a supercomputer, that's an intelligence that we cannot fathom. And God chose this scenario that we are in to be plan A. Well, there are a couple of things to keep in mind if we're not satisfied with the fact that this is plan A. The first thing to keep in mind is that God has given us some incredible promises. He has given us some incredible, incredible promises that we have seen actually work themselves out again and again and again. We see that God is faithful to these promises. So one of the promises God gives us is that in our most difficult times, through our most difficult trials, that, that he is with us and he is helping us through those things. He is giving us strength and courage. He is giving us just the things that we need to get through those things if we will trust him. He promises us that it is in our weakness that he will be strong, that when we are in our deepest, darkest times that Jesus will be there to help us through those situations. He will give us strength, he will refine our faith, he will develop our character, and sometimes he will just miraculously solve the situation. He will directly intervene. Another thing to remember is that God is not a hands-off God. It's not a plug-and-play God. God is a God who is highly involved in our worlds. He is highly involved in our worlds. And the story of Jesus is the central way in which we know God's compassion for us is, is endless is incredible. Thinking about the story of Jesus, reminding ourselves of the story of Jesus, reminds us that God is not a hands-off God. 
He wants very much to be involved in our lives. Maybe you've heard the phrase or maybe you've experienced absentee father. That is the complete opposite of the way that God operates in our behalf. But the enemy is constantly coming in and trying to convince us that God is not for us. He is not with us. He is not there to help us. And so it is so critical for us to grasp how wide and how long and how deep the love of Christ is. Uh, One of my favorite songs, I'm pretty sure you've sung it before, but begins with this with these phrases. In the darkness we were waiting, without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. Anybody recognize that song? Um, This is the story that we're a part of, right? The story is God has allowed us to make decisions and see the consequences. We can choose life or we can choose death, right? We can choose temporary pleasure that only pleases us but causes pain in other people's lives or we can choose life. We can make decisions that are good for the people around us, they're good for us, and they're good for eternity. And they bring life to us. Usually choosing life is difficult for us. Usually choosing death is easy for us. That's generally how you know the difference between when you're choosing life or death, right? The one is very easy. It's very appealing. It's very pleasure right now. For example, lying to cover up a way in which you've failed or been deficient, right? That's the, that's the easy go-to. Just cover it up with a lie, Doing the right thing, choosing life and being honest is difficult because it means you might be embarrassed or you might have to suffer some sort of consequence. If you're a child, you might have to do extra chores or be grounded or something like that. But honesty leads to life because if you're an honest person, then people will know that you are trustworthy and you want to be trusted. You want to be seen and known and experienced by others as trustworthy. And so it brings life. God gives us the opportunity to make these decisions, right? And we know that oftentimes, not just us, but all humanity makes the decision for death. And that's what leads to all the chaos in our world. But... Till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. As God looked at this from the very beginning, God said, I have a solution for this. I will take responsibility for creating a world in which this happens, and I will take the penalty of sin from people who have rebelled against me, and I will pave a way for them to return to me, to be reconciled to me, even after they have made this decision to rebel against me, even after they have chosen the way of death, I will pave the way for them to return. I will forgive their sins if they will just confess them to me. I will accept their repentance if they will just turn and return to me. Even on the cross, Jesus says, 
you know, when humanity was at its very lowest point, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is the heart of the Father for us, and that is the path for us to return to being reconciled with God. Um, one of my uh, favorite um, book series is uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, written by C.S. Lewis. If you haven't read these, I uh, would highly recommend them. Uh, they've made a movie uh, series out of them as well, so if you don't like to read, watch the movies. They're fantastic. Uh, but C.S. Lewis created a fantasy world uh, that had all kinds of analogies to the Christian life, to the story of Jesus and to the Christian life. And uh, the sort of the center of the, uh, the book series is this trilogy that involves uh, these kids that are all from the same family, the Pevensies, and uh, they, through some strange occurrings, end up in Narnia, which is this fantasy land. And the person that represents, or the, the character that represents Jesus in this fantasy land is Aslan, and he's this, uh, this lion, and which is fitting because one of Jesus' names is the Lion of Judah. And so uh, C.S. Lewis has this lion playing the character of Jesus. And so they go through the story where Aslan actually gives up his life and dies on behalf of, of uh, Narnia. And, you know, he returns from death and conquers death. Um, and there's, so there's like one book, and the, the Pevensies experience Aslan as a child, but then they go back to normal land, reality. But then later on, as teenagers, they come back into Narnia. And one of the things that they realize, Lucy, who's the youngest, uh, she realizes right away uh, that Aslan is like, he, he's now massive. And so she goes to him and says, you know, Aslan... Uh, you know, you've grown so large. And Aslan replies to Lucy, he says, as you grow, I will grow. And this is C.S. Lewis's way of reminding us that as we go along in the Christian life, as we continue uh, the journey as Christians, as we mature as followers of Jesus Christ, we will realize more and more and more how incredible Jesus is. We will realize more and more and more how deep his love is for us. And that translates into us living lives that are full of the life and the power that God has for us. I'm going to read you a passage from Colossians uh, chapter 1, starting in verse uh, 15. Uh, this is actually one of like the, the early church hymns, the creeds. Uh, this was sort of like a song about uh, Jesus uh, that was used to uh, help pass the faith, the Christian faith, from one person to another. And so uh, Paul employs that uh, into his writing of Colossians. And um, it is a reminder of the fact that we are part of an incredible story. Um, the enemy tries to get us to think that the story is all about us, that things are just coming in and out of our story, but we're really the central player. And if the enemy can get us to think that, then he's won. Because if the story is all about us, 
it's not going too well, is it? <laughs> the story is really not about us. The story is really about Jesus. And if we can get that figured out, then we start experiencing life and power and purpose, the incredible things that God has for us. So, starting in verse 15, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him, from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That's incredible news. That hopefully gives us some sort of glimpse into the level of love that God has for us. That should hopefully help us have just an inkling of an understanding of how deep the love of Christ is for us. This whole thing, this entire universe, our whole experience is, is set up so that we can experience the incredible grace and mercy of Christ. And it is out of this experience of his grace, right? It is out of understanding that we have the, the choice of life and death. It is out of understanding that even after we've chosen death, we can still be reconciled to the Father. It is out of understanding grace and mercy that we can now have real and true and authentic and eternal fellowship with the Father. And if we can get all of that, if we can focus on it, if we can remember it, then we will begin experiencing. Then we will move towards fully experiencing the life and the power that God has for us. Right? The enemy is always trying to distract us and deceive us and discourage us and bring us down and tell us that God doesn't love us. He is not for us, but that is so far from the truth. God has done everything that he can to reveal his love and mercy for us without taking away our ability to choose life or death. He has done everything that he can in order to pave a way back for us. He has made it as easy as possible, really, right? He doesn't, 
you know, if we've sinned, he, he doesn't say, oh, you have to go back and make up for your sin by doing a bunch of good things. No, he just says, no, all I want you to do is just stop doing that thing, just confess that it's the wrong thing, and then turn and start doing the right thing, right? Regardless of how far you are over here on the, you know, on the bad scale, right? All God wants of us is just, just to turn towards him. If you've never turned towards him, I would encourage you to just declare that you are going to do that now. If you, as a follower of Christ, have allowed sin to come back into your life, I want to encourage you to return to the Lord, right? Jesus is not surprised by our sin. Jesus is not thrown off like, oh, I can't believe it happened, right? He knows what's going to happen. He knows the things we're doing, and he is just inviting us in every possible way. Hey, just, just turn back towards me. Wherever you're at, however many times you've done that wrong thing, just tor- turn back towards me. Just turn back. That's all I need. I just need you to turn back. Turn away from evil. Turn away from death. Turn away from destruction. That's all I need. Just make that decision. So wherever we are at, turn towards him. There's an incredible, incredible reward. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Please join me in prayer. Father, we pray that you would grip our hearts with your incredible love. We know we've, we've heard this story before, but Father, I ask that you would help us see it new, see it fresh, to realize once again that you are fully for us, that the enemy has no place in our lives, that the enemy has no voice in our lives because of your incredible love. Father, I pray that we would, knowing your grace, that we would risk all in obedience to you, that we would risk all in responding to your incredible mercy and grace. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, your help pulling off that event. I think when we added the kids in or so, we thought we probably had more than 1,000 people come through. So apparently, candy and mask are quite popular. Uh, We uh, use these things as a way to establish redemptive friendships with people in the community. And so, um, you know, we encourage you to let people know uh, when we're doing these events and invite your, your own friends. Uh, we've got some several fun things coming up. You can check out the website, awakenalaska.com, and uh, see just all the different things we've got, got planned here. So uh, from Jude 24 and 25, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.
All right, thank you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week, if not before. Thank you again for listening. It is a joy to be able to share God's truth with you. Hopefully you found this teaching helpful to your understanding of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's world. And hopefully you are inspired to take a further step of faith. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you continue your journey. If you live in the Anchorage area, you are welcome to join us any Sunday. And we have an Awaken 101 event every six weeks. And this is also a great way to find out more about our church. Please sign up for that event by going to the events tab at our website, awakenalaska.com, and looking for Awaken 101. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends, and we will see you next week.